Hello and welcome to another edition of Hot Takes, the story screen podcast where we go see new movies and then save our first impressions for the microphone and for you, the listener. I'm Jack Kolodzewski, joined today by Diana Demiro. Hey, yo. Hi, Diana. How's it going over there? Good. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty yeah, good. Very yeah. good. It's been a little, it's been a minute since I posted one of these things. So I am the... uh, thankful to be here. Yeah. <laughs> as am I. As am I. I'm, I'm excited because uh, you and I went and saw a movie pretty recently. We did. Uh, the... What What movie was that? Tell me about it. The uh, the Candyman can. We saw the Candyman. new, we saw the new Candyman, the 2021. Not, not, not the Candyman. Right. Because you have to be careful these days because they just go ahead and stick the in front they, of titles, and that makes do. it a different movie. Candyman. This is just Candyman. And I'm not going to say it any more times after yes. that. <laughs> not quite a not. Yeah, we have to be careful here. <laughs> I don't know if a if a camera counts as a mirror. I know. Not, I can see myself in the zoom, and it feels like a mirror, even yeah. though not quite. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get rid of that <laughs> option we should, we should, in a bit. We should, we should tread lightly <laughs> here. Yeah, maybe if you unflip your camera, that'll that that resolves it. But anyway. Yeah, so we saw that movie. Um, it is not quite the, not quite a reboot, sort of like a quasi sequel, almost similar to um, to what they're doing with the new Halloween. Yeah, film. I would um, say it's a sequel. I mean, you're you're right though. It is kind of like it's like a sequel to the first 1992 Candyman. I, exactly. I can't say that I've watched the sequels to that Candyman. I have seen the 1992 Candyman, but I haven't seen that the aftermath and i have not i was trying to watch that that movie before we recorded this podcast and Ooh. i purchased it but i ran out of time you know what I'll, I'll comment on it when we when we get to that yeah i won't give you any crazy spoilers that you probably couldn't infer from having seen the new one sure um sure. but you should watch it when you get a chance because it is special <laughs> I very much want to. I very much want to. I think we'll get into that a little bit more as we talk kind of the the legacy of that one and kind of what this movie is going for. But for now, before we get too deep into that, do you want to just give me give our listeners a a brief like description of what Candyman is like? What's your what's the elevator pitch on Candyman here? On uh, the one we just saw or just like the character? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the one we just saw. I would I would call this one a sequel to that first 1992 Candyman. And it is directed by Nia DaCosta. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Well, if I was go- just looking. She hasn't done. Yeah. She's relatively like new to the directing scene. She doesn't have too many director credits. The only film that I watched of hers was uh, Little Woods. Yeah. 2018 and, Little Woods. Yeah. It's Tessa Thompson. And oh, nice. And uh, what's her name? Uh, Lily James. Lily James. Yeah. Yep. And they play sisters, and it's kind of like about uh, drugs and trying to like make a living and being like poor in the middle of nowhere. And it, it was very good. Yeah, Tessa Thompson's really good. Oh, um, she always is. She never yeah. disappoints. Yeah. The uh, on on IMDb, the more like this includes loose. Oh the yeah. Assistant, fast color, and the nightingale. So okay. it seems like okay. It seems like that this is something that I could fuck with this movie. I think you would like it. It's like, you know, it's very character driven, but it's just very beautifully shot. Um, it's on Hulu and, as well. Yes. Yeah. Check it out if you get a chance. I definitely think um, after watching that, I was kind of intrigued 
to see how Candyman was going to turn out because sure. of that. It's kind of like the whole, like, you saw um, Chloe Zhao's films, and then you're like, oh, she's now going to have a big budget to do The Eternals, you know? Or, yes. And it's kind of that time frame, you know, aspect of it where you're like, oh, Nia Dacosta's doing Candyman. Okay, she got the bucks to do this. And this is awesome. Sh- she's filming something right now called The Marvels. Oh, that's the... That's the um, Captain Marvel sequel. They're just getting lazier and lazier here, aren't they? Yeah. So the um, the cap, but that's pretty cool though because uh, this new twenty twenty one. Oh, I just mean title wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What's the new Marvel movie called? Uh, Miss Marvel, the Marvels. I think it's just called Marvel, the Marvels. And I wonder if that's because it's going to have uh, Tayona Paris, who was you know in the um. The, the WandaVision TV show. Okay. She, she's going to be in the new, you know, Captain Marvel sequel and have her own power. So I wonder if that's why it's called The Marvels. But I'm like, okay. I, I see. You know, I, I'm not a big, I'm not up on the Captain Marvel comics. I am interested in in reading the the new Ms. Marvel where where it's the younger character. And that one looks really cool. The artwork looks awesome. But I can't say that I know that much about any of that lore. But, uh, but regardless, it seems like Nia DaCosta is on the kind of like, yeah. does one smaller project, but still with notable names. And then this is like her mid-sized project. And then next thing you know, she's going to be doing a huge billion dollar Marvel movie. Right. And so it, there's and there's that pipeline has been, uh, let's say, well-oiled yeah. recently. So this one. Chloe Zhao being one other example. Of totally. That. I mean, well, because this one also is, is produced and co-written by Jordan Peele. So it's yes. kind of like we've got our heir apparent to the horror genre, you know. Yeah. It seems and like he this is he's kind of almost like Jordan Peele's leveraging his uh let's say capital within the film industry to like yeah, take another creator people. and kind of like usher her in. Very you know, cool. Not that she seems talent I'm I'll just say we haven't really talked that much about this movie, but she seems like a talented director totally um, from this yeah. movie alone i Definitely. can't speak to the, the other movie that you mentioned but i am interested in seeing it but yeah i think that she's showing some very some very cool stylistic chops with this movie definitely i'm excited to see more of her work for sure so let's get more into it what did you yeah. think of this what did you, what did you think of Candyman? so i liked it i mean it's really tight it's only an hour and a half mm-hmm. um which i'm kind of like Fuck yeah! Because <laughs> ninety minutes is the perfect length for a horror movie. I, I will kinda, stand by that forever. I know. I kind of feel like movies just keep getting longer and longer Actually, these days. So, eighty-eight minutes is the 88. perfect horror movie. That's <laughs> right. like the perfect amount of time for a horror movie. All right, I'll, I'll keep, keep that in mind. Keep it tight. Um, I like. Don't read that. into the num- the numerology there. I just 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 a little <laughs> under ninety is just perfect. Yeah, the the room numbers. Um, yeah, I really like the kind of. This is sort of a sequel because it does connect a little bit to characters in the first one. It connects to the lore around the character in the first one. Um, but it's it's updated for gentrification, modern day Chicago, mm-hmm. um, up and coming in various fields like the art world. And I found that really fun and interesting to put it in that context. Mm-hmm. Um versus the first one is more of like a graduate student studying 
graffiti art and then folklore based on this graffiti art in Cabrini Green um, in these sort of like they're not totally abandoned but some of the buildings are abandoned and there is like all this stuff that uh, leads the main character in the first one to look into this legend of of Candyman and who that right. was and what is this like artwork that's spray painted on the walls and then this one I feel like takes it a step further with the main character being a painter and having this kind of like folk art and and then his counterpart Tayona Paris being like a gallery right curator who's trying to get into the art world and it's kind of an interesting spin on like, who's already already in the art world yeah. not getting into the art world yeah. like they're firmly i would they're say in they're, they're they're in it yeah. yeah they're they're both like successful but they're both like looking to for their next step to like continue up yeah you know and and they 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 reference the main character from the original right is who they're talking about and that's how this is kind of like a sequel is it's bearing that in mind and then kind of continuing it forward and and like you said, I think modernizing it for more, let's say, like to- like current topical issues and it's yeah. definitely it is definitely like very conscious of those things and that is very much forward in the text. Yes, um, which is you know in alignment with Jordan Peele's writing thus far as well. Like he yeah. will take, especially pertaining to like black culture, like you know. He he uses horror to like kind of leverage those ideas um, and like explore and unpack some of those ideas. They're definitely doing that with this movie. Yeah, and there there are definitely um, some of those themes in the original as well, and we can kind yeah. of talk about that in spoiler territory. But this is definitely more modernized to sort of the discussions that are happening now in the news and just in in you know community culture about race and police and you know all the things that gentrification exactly and you know low-income housing being pushed out in favor of high-rises and expensive places and how art and the art community is complicit in that and that change and that kind of like structural change within us i mean we live in a town that yeah was very much gentrified that's by, the example by an art gallery like our town is a perfect example of what they're talking about in this movie they're yeah. talking about it in chicago which was maybe it's more urban than here but like it's still it's the also, same pattern yeah it's true it's like when you kind of figure chicago and the areas that they're addressing there is that kind of disparity of race and what areas are considered poor and what areas are considered really affluent neighborhoods or areas Mm -hmm. but yeah beacon to a certain extent has definitely had that tale for sure because it's like the beacon of my childhood was really run down and a lot of crime and racially diverse and over you know with dia beacon coming in and like people moving up from new york to look for cheap studio space or cheap places to live it had its like sweet spot for a little while where it was still kind of both but now it's definitely it's on the other side of the curve it is for for sure and you know rent is no longer affordable right (laughs) we know i i i can no longer afford to live down there um for sure but uh and it's become more of a destination and definitely a little less diverse racially i would say although it probably gets a diverse amount of of tourists 
from the city, which is great. I don't know. The, the, the tourists are, don't look that diverse to me. Yeah, I guess it can be kind of hit or miss. I yeah. My hope is that it continues to be, but I can see, yeah, I can see where you're definitely. But, but, going uh, back to Candyman, I think one of the interesting things about this movie is it is interrogating that in the way of being an artist and also, you know, being part of black culture, but recognizing that like, you're on that wave that is changing this community in a way yeah. like you're they're like they're benefiting the characters from that are benefiting from this but also you know it is still in conversation with the way that culture changes over time and how that affects the culture broadly and how it affects the people that have lived in those places like for a long time since it was you right. know, quote unquote, a rougher place to live, right? I, I found it really interesting too that like it kind of does directly deal with the fact that the two main characters are this younger couple who are successful in their own rights, but are still having to kind of play that game where they are appealing to these people yes. who are more affluent, who are white, you know, that they are trying to get their footholds in other museums or galleries or you know they kind of they are conscious of that you know or just like the film criticism and we'll we'll and, talk and more about that the wrestle at the core like that is like the core like conflict is totally it, it is wrestling with that yeah um and wrestling with being a, a creator that benefits from this wave of gentrification that essentially like you know buries a community or pushes a community that has been in that space for a long time out right. um yeah. and and that guilt i think is personified by you know Candyman right here in this yeah. movie um and i think for the most part you know without getting into spoilers yet and we'll go into a spoiler section after after a quick break but i think when this movie a lot of this movie, they are setting a lot of those ideas up. Right. And they do that, especially early on in the movie, with a lot of, I think, it's kind of exposition heavy. Sure. And they kind of dump a lot of those ideas through exposition. And I think sometimes, you know, it's playing with, with – with, and it's dealing in complicated subject matter. And I think this is a movie – as a horror movie, this is definitely a movie that seems like it is shooting for something a little more – um accessible a little more mainstream a little more like trying to go for a wider audience you know mm. it's not it's not there's a difference between something like what i think this is aiming for and you know your typical like it's cliche now your typical like a24 or like people use the term elevated horror or whatever there's gotcha. a lot of those movies have yeah. you know what i mean like something sure. like an Ari Aster movie those are a little less accessible they're a little more like this is this movie is tight it yeah. has got some good scares in it, but it's also like having – there's a political conversation. And my point here is that I think when this movie is at its best, it's weaving those ideas into the story and it is presenting those ideas a little more, um, uh, I, I would say, naturally. Sure. But there are aspects of this movie where it feels like that – because it's for that wider audience, it's trying to explain that to an audience that might not otherwise be keen to some of those ideas. I hear that. I kind of – I see that as a positive for sure though. I do as yeah. well. But sometimes when it comes to 
watching it as part of a movie. Yeah. If you're already keen to those ideas, it can feel a little didactic, which this not that's a spoiler thing, but like there's a little bit of lampshading at some point, or at least it's like aware and poking fun at itself for it. I was going to say, I feel like it's it's definitely cognizant of that and it is like being self-aware in that. And so I, it makes me consider like if I were to watch the movie again, which I think I would like to, because I recommend it. I would like Um, to watch it again too. Yeah. I think you kind of are aware of that and the commentary on it. But like you said, yeah, there is like a tiny bit of that for sure. And yeah, it's it's sometimes it doesn't always make for the the best movie watching experience when it feels like you're having this explained to you if you already know. Sure. But I can understand why they're doing it because they're going for a wider audience that yeah. probably does need it explained to them in no uncertain terms. I think so, there's also a little bit of the um you know, because it is kind of framed like a sequel, there is a little bit of the you may or may not have seen the first one. The first one is so popular, right. but now it's been so many years that maybe younger audiences haven't seen it. And that's the original okay. Candyman, it's it's niche. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's not like a Freddy or Jason, like you know, everybody's heard of that. Like right. Candyman is definitely a more niche property, and you're right. And they do spend a decent amount of the time time in the movie setting some of that stuff up as yeah. well and for me someone who has not seen that original movie but very much wants to now like i did appreciate that yeah visually um, is very cool the... but i think as the movie gets going yes and we'll talk about that more and st- and spoilers like yeah. some of the specific like visual stuff um I-, I think that uh as the movie gets going it moves past that a little bit and it, it i think it weaves those ideas and those themes into the narrative better as it goes along. And I think the movie gets stronger as it goes along. Totally. Um, it front loads some of that that more expositiony stuff and then and then it it, it it hits like a kind of its stride, like a little a little after the first act, I would say. Definitely. Um, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. And as you said, all the while I think being very visually stylish, um, and and having some really striking striking images in there yeah I think sometimes there's a little bit of um a little bit of cg in some stuff that could have been that could have maybe hit a little harder were it practical um but still like some good visual stuff in there all right i could see that yeah yeah and we can maybe talk about some of those specific moments too sure um you ready anything for a else? break? Yeah. Anything else you want to say spoiler free before? We, uh, spoiler we free. It? I recommend it. Go check it out. So if you yeah. haven't seen it yet, turn this off and go watch it and then come back and listen to the rest of this. Yeah. Hopefully we've convinced <laughs> you at this point. I think it's I think it's very worth seeing. Um, I was I was actually pleasantly surprised. I kind of went in without many expectations. I think um, that's a good way to be. Yeah. 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 And I, I was I was I, I enjoyed it very much. Um, I will say if you go see it at uh the story screen beacon theater mm. which is a very a very nice place to see it very comfy um, seats bring a hoodie <laughs> oh it's, it's, it's very hot outside and very cold very inside cold inside theater. yeah once once the bodies <laughs> accumulate in the theater the ac clicks up and oh that's my true. god yeah. yeah i was i was in that theater just like near because i was you know it, we saw this earlier yeah last week on friday and it was a very very hot day on friday that's been so happening I, to me a lot recently where it's yeah. like 90 outside and then I go in the theater and I'm like, ah, Arctic blast. Yes. Bring, <laughs> just bring a hoodie with you. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> but I will say uh, being physically tortured during this movie did make the, the horror hit a little harder. So that's nice. <laughs> yeah. I was more vulnerable to the to the. You're already what this movie was, on was, edge. Yeah. I was opened up. I was, I was, uh, yeah. 
exactly. Anyway, let's uh, let's hit a quick break, and then uh, we'll be right back with some spoilers. Hey everybody, Mike Burge popping in here real quick to let you know about our brand new advertiser, Suncommon. These guys are absolutely great. Suncommon is one of those businesses that I am just so proud to have the StoryScreen brand associated with. They supported us through advertising last year at StoryScreen Drive-In in the midst of the pandemic, and that really helped us to be able to get things started and going over there. And ever since then, they have been just a fantastic business to be partnered with in just about anything that we do. But what is Suncommon? Well, Suncommon is your local clean energy partner, and it's got over 15 years of solar experience across the Capital District, Hudson Valley, and Vermont. They are awesome. Suncommon is a certified B Corp that believes people and planet are the foundation of vibrant communities. They offer custom engineered solar installations for homes, farms, and businesses, as well as unique products like the solar canopy and Tesla Powerwall. They're fantastic. The customer service is out of control good. And speaking as someone who has to deal with the customer service at Fandango all the time, these guys are above and beyond comparatively. No, you know, no low shots to Fandango here. Just like, you know, there's room for improvement. Everybody can improve. But back to Suncommon. Suncommon is a nicer duh, N-Y-S-E-R-D-A, pronounced nicer duh, gold quality solar installer, which means they exceed annual quality assurance criteria and consistently provide top tier performance. They offer affordable financing options designed to fit any individual's needs for getting that good old solar power energy installed in a business, a home. Honestly, you name it, I think that they can pretty much pull it off. These guys, you know, they they can help. They they guide customers through each step of the solar journey, which can be a kind of uh, hard one to really wrap your brain around if you're not too familiar with how it goes. But they're so good at helping you understand exactly what needs to happen, what can happen, and what will happen when you hire Suncommon to do these kinds of things. Suncommon makes saving money while saving the planet the easiest home improvement decision you'll make this year, any year, whenever. So if you're ready to build a brighter future, get in touch with Suncommon today. Visit suncommon.com to learn more. That's suncommon, S-U-N-C-O-M-M-O-N.com. And you can learn more and build a brighter future starting right now. Let's get back to the episode. So I think the first moment that I want to hit now that we're talking about specifics of this movie is that opening crawl. Spoilers! Spoilers. Yeah. So if you're yeah. still in and you, you don't yeah. want to be spoiled on this movie, this is there's no turning back from here. Um, <laughs> the opening of this movie, like the opening credits, starts with a shot of Chicago that's like the camera is pointing up. Yep. And you see like the buildings from like the ground perspective, but it's also kind of like it's mirrored backwards. It's mirrored, yeah. yeah. And it's like the sky is very cloudy, so it looks like the, the buildings just kind of like go on forever, kind of. Yep. And it's a very visually stylish, but also like disorienting 
yeah crawl and like the way that the 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 effect that they achieve with like the music and those visuals at the time because it's like kind of like sparse like low-key music but it like it give it gave me that like kind of disorienting feel right from the get-go and i love when horror does that when it like kind of sets the tone for the rest of the movie by putting you on edge or sometimes movies will do like a little jump scare like at the beginning to kind of like get your heart rate up a little bit get you like you know primed and ready and i think having that crawl at the beginning i was really like all right i'm this is this is going to be i had a good feeling about it like right from the beginning there yeah there's like a little bit of like oh is this supposed to be like this right in the beginning and then you're like yes it is it is supposed to be like this <laughs> yeah yeah i think i think oh and it, it opens with the the opening like titles of the movie all mirrored all flipped, as well yeah, yeah which is and yeah i heard you like whisper over to mike like is it supposed to be like that yeah and he's like, yes yeah yes. <laughs> It's very interesting. I know, yeah, I, I love it when, when horror movies play around with that stuff and just like try to disorient you from the beginning. Definitely. I uh, I also loved like just with, with talking about kind of giving some background and, and, and some exposition. I loved all of the like artwork of the cut paper puppetry. The animation. Yeah, yes. the animation kind of to give that backstory of Candyman. So that was really, really cool. It's kind of all looks like shadow puppets and it sort of plays with like, you know, a child's perspective of stuff. And yes, and that whole first initial scene is really good. It's, it's, it's very visually striking. Yeah, it's very well done. So like, even if this film is kind of geared more towards a, a wider, more mainstream audience, I feel like visually Nia DaCosta is killing it and could easily do a weird A24, you know, art house horror. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think I think it's important for both to exist yeah like, you know it's it's coming back around full circle now where that a24 house style is becoming i don't want to say overdone but it's like instantly recognizable sure. and it's like it, it, that is what it is and that's yeah. its own thing and this is different um in ways that i think it's good that it yeah. sets itself apart because it is going for a little more of like you know Candyman. Again, I haven't seen the original, but like it comes from that era of 90s kind of slasher movies that are a little more like, you know, straightforward. And I think but also has its own deeper stuff going on as well. And I think right. that's, this is doing that, too. Um, but, you know, it's it's got some good just like straight up good kill scenes. Totally. It, you yeah. Know? Yeah, um, I, I I really enjoy the 1992 Candyman. It's like it is very 90s in some ways, but it's also like um, like Tony Todd, who plays Candyman in the first uh -huh. one. Some of the things that I miss from that movie in this new one is because he's so goddamn charismatic, even though he's the bad guy, but you yes. feel sympathetic to him, even though yeah. you're creeped out so you kind of are like creeped out and simultaneously you're like the ladies love him he is a smooth <laughs> operator you're like his voice is awesome and um, tony todd is in this movie yes yeah yes. as a as a spoiler as a brief at the you know at the end but i love um i read one article that was talking about how in that 90s version 
the short story that the original Candyman is based on didn't really give any kind of backstory to Candyman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think when we were talking to Mike, he was kind of talking about how it's like essentially the Bloody Mary legend, like saying mm-hmm. the name in the mirror and then yeah, a yeah. spirit will come about. So there really wasn't too much to that character. So the article that I read, um, I think it's on uh, either Film School Rejects or uh, a different film crit website it was talking about how the main character tony todd and um the actress uh what's her name virginia madsen who plays the main female character helen lyle Mm -hmm. she's like the grad student researching Candyman. um they came up with like tony todd essentially came up with the backstory they were just like spitballing. They were like, oh, what, cool. if, what yeah. if it's this? What if it's that? And he was kind of basing it on some various historical figures that he had read about that were kind of like Black Thomas Edison inventor or yeah. like other characters from the 1800s that then something terrible happened to them because of racism. So he was kind right. of like making his own lore about it. And then the director of the first one was, was like, yes, let's use some of that. So it was pretty yeah. cool because he was kind of like able to craft his own weird character. And that actually became the story. So, And it, and it, it fits so well with, with what this is doing is especially yeah. because it, it is really a lot of the thematic like backbone to this movie is that idea of continuous trauma. Right. Specifically like in black culture. Yep. Um, and the how that becomes its own like folklore right to protect the community kind of protects itself because the only way that it you can you know get your kids to go to sleep at night is to create this boogeyman because because there is because there are endless stories of that kind of trauma right um, and and that kind of uh of violence specifically against black community and how those a lot of that violence does get accelerated and spurred on by right. by the gentrification of a community and how you know the the ghetto itself and this movie says explicitly like it's the the, the developers of the city and those in control of of that development who like essentially create the ghetto right and choke out choke the life out of those communities because they're you know the 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 whether it's the government or whether it's like the local politics or something often does not view those those communities as desirable right or worthwhile uh, right so they create this ghetto so that they can have a cheap rent and then they that gentrification cycle comes in yeah where it's leveled to be recreated for a new community completely so exactly and in the process it's the community that lives there that gets either pushed out or is uh, uh subject to that violence right um yeah. and and you know in that and that violence creates this myth this this folklore both to kind of like again like i said as a defense mechanism but also just as like this it, everyone has that story right, right? everyone has yeah. and there are stories of trauma in this movie of 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 I, the one of the lines that sticks out to me is like the when early on in the movie there's a a, a child who is um in this building and there's a man who kind of is known in the community to like give candy to children. Right. And then the story about the razor blades in the candy comes out 
and this guy basically gets hunt, hunted down yeah. and beaten to death by the police. Right. And the kid says when, you know, when the cops, the, the kid screams because he's, he's afraid of this man that comes out of the wall. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and uh, <laughs> But that man is come, just hiding from the cops. Right. And he says, I saw the face of true fear. Right. And it's kind of flipping the script there because it's not this man coming out of the wall that's a scary thing, even though the movie kind of like yeah. portrays it in that way. The face of true fear is his face when he sees when he knows the cops are yeah, coming. Yeah. And they're and all then coming they beat for him. him to, and they beat him to death. Right. And that those are the stories that become like the folklore that that is Candyman. Right. Um, and kind and of I, that uh, the the '90s one definitely dealt a little bit more with like the taboo story of interracial relationships because it kind of right. it stemmed with that initial like historical Candyman of it being like a painter painting someone who was white and then them falling in love and how that was taboo. Right. And, and he was And they murdered. tell that story. Yeah. Right. And he was executed. And so that kind of gets repeated because in the 90s one, the grad student who's researching Candyman is a white woman. And then she's visiting this like notoriously poor, uh, you know, community that is more racially diverse and Candyman is black. And it's sort of like this weird taboo where she is sort of attracted to him, but is also afraid of him. You know, so there is touches of that, but it's it's definitely changed and adapted for this newer version. Right. It's modernized. Yeah. It's modernized. And it and it takes those stories, you know, because those stories have evolved over time as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, a lot of them are too similar to how they've been for too long. Instead of the Klan, we have the police department. So yeah. it's or, like... <laughs> or, you know, yeah. the white, white supremacists yep. now that are, yeah. are act, still active, you yep. know, that's... Um, it's, it, and, and, and that goes back to kind of what I was saying, like some of this movie, it does feel like it's trying to sit you down and explain it to you. Right. Um, which, you know, I think different people can have different reactions to that, but in a way it is important to kind of get to this. Cause like it is for, I think a lot of people, a lot of white folks, especially that also benefit from this gentrification cycle, they don't think about it. Right. You know, they only get the end product. And it, and this movie is also explicit to say, like, and, and, and uh, relating that back to art and the art world as well. It's like they love us being like black or they love our art, what we produce. As long as it's worthwhile to them, they can make money off of it. But sure. they don't love us as, right. a, as a people. And they don't respect us for that. And, like, the characters in this movie are dealing with that as well. Like right. That kind they of relationship to the art. comment art on world. that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And when it's doing that, I think this movie's at its best. Like when that stuff is and I was speaking to that a little bit before, when it's like woven into the horror and the story, which it does do throughout the runtime, like I think that's when the movie's really firing on all, yeah. all cylinders. And I think there is a lot of there's a little bit of it that I, I think is maybe handled a little more not at a little more clumsy i guess but because it's dealing with so many ideas and it's trying to get them all in okay but but i think when it when it does hit its stride it 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 weaves a lot of those ideas again complex ideas important ideas together um and it it does i think it is effective ultimately definitely so what'd you think of this cast in this 2021 version i thought the cast was really good i thought it's really um, good yeah i thought uh Yaha Abdul uh, Mateen was was an excellent like lead, and I felt 
a lot of sympathy for him and he yeah. is a very sympathetic character and like part of that is his story is like how he's being used he is um he's and, kind of a vessel for exactly. this and it, it's kind of like the idea of i love the fact that he's the painter and it is kind of like a weird there are a lot of tales in books and movies where someone is looking for inspiration either writing mm -hmm. painting music and like the idea of appealing to a higher power or mystical entity or good or bad that will like inspire you or yeah. give you like you become the vessel for that and it's it's kind of an interesting take on that where it's sort of like okay now he is being creative and having all this like spurt of inspiration for crazy paintings and then it's it's candy man so it's like also not good at all <laughs> and it, yeah and it, but it, it's also tragic because yeah. he becomes a martyr he does you know? and, he does. and that that speaks to like people made george floyd into a martyr as well sure um, in in like some really negative ways and some of the like in the you know more like the liberal circles that will paint black lives matter on the street but not allocate any funds from the police department in that city you know what i'm saying that kind of like appropriation in a way where you are trying to signal something to make it seem better but like really not actually making any sort of change you know Ooh. what i'm saying and yeah. you see that you saw that happen with like and and people rightly so criticize when nancy pelosi calls george floyd like he gave his life or he he he, he they try to martyrize him it's like no, he didn't. He was murdered. He was murdered. And yeah. At the very least, maybe it brought some attention to it. But like, he shouldn't have to die for this. Like, he should not have to. That's the problem. And to begin yeah, with, yeah, no one so, like, should. Right. Exactly. So that 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 idea is is represented here too, where he he becomes the martyr to become Candyman, and and what does he say? He say it like that. Tell everyone. Right. Like at the very least, people can talk about this. But yeah. it is still it is tragic that he needs to do that to begin with, or he he not even he needs to do that that like someone put that on him like he yeah. was manipulated into that. Yeah. So the spoiler of this is that there is a baby in the first movie, and the mother of that baby is the same actress Vanessa Williams who's in this again as Anthony's mother, and it ends up being that he doesn't know that he was that baby that was kidna right. kidnapped by Candyman. Um, and it, and they had attempted to burn him alive, you know, outside of the, the housing complex. So mm -hmm. that is sort of like the connection that he does like from birth have this weird trauma and is not necessarily aware of it, but at the same time, it's still there and it plays into his story the more he learns about it. And I found that pretty interesting, you know, like sometimes they try and create stuff like that to link movies together. But I think it actually they do it enough that it works out that it's not right. too in your face about it, but it's enough to be jarring when he realizes it. So, right. And even from, I think, a thematic standpoint, it works as well because he's born into this and he's destined he like he's he's born into this trauma and he's destined almost for this cycle to repeat itself. Yeah. Yep. Because it always does. To show that we haven't made enough progress, that we're still dealing with several issues that have happened again and again. It's true. Yeah. yeah. That deep, that problem still exists. And it has, there's, even though there has been progress, like, um, 
there is still a deep rot and a, a deep core issue that is not not resolved right so and that perpetuates and I, it goes on forever yeah you know that's that's kind of the idea and i um, i do love the you know his girlfriend um brianna who's played by tayona paris um who i just watched you know uh in wandavision she was great but i was excited to see her in something else because you know we have that very brief backstory of her having her own trauma that her dad committed suicide and was an artist and having that like connotation of struggle and mental illness and within the art world or like near-death experience you know it makes more sense like when she first bails on anthony as soon as he starts acting crazy you're at first i would probably be like whoa she's bailing on him so quickly but then knowing that she's kind of gone through that herself Mm-hmm. it makes it more believable that she'd be like no i'm getting the fuck out of here no 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 you know mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah 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 um, and it's what i was saying before like you know unfortunately in in, in those communities it's everyone has their story like that of sure. tragedy um just because of the circumstances that are created around those communities often um it's it's very tragic the whole thing is tragic i think that that this movie works because not because it's it's also like an effective and visually stylish um, and uh, it's got good pacing. It's like a, 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 a compelling like horror movie, but it yeah. also does have a core human element to it that is I think is effective as well. Then we've got like the very awesome uh, Coleman Domingo as sort of like your bridge character who is the one who's going to explain to Anthony a little bit of the backstory, but is also a character in the present. And he is always good. He's yeah. just like, man, he that's was, the, uh, the laundromat guy. Yeah. He was yeah. so good in Zola and he's, he was great in Ma Rainey. And like, he's just, man, he's been killing it <laughs> lately. I'm just he's yeah. so very good. Um, I'm I ex- really got to see Zola. Yeah, you do. You are going to, I think that is a Jack movie and I, nice. you know, it's a, it's a good one. Um, it's stressful. I'm not going to lie to you, but I think it's I, supposed glutton, to be. I'm a glutton so. for the punishment. Yeah. So. No, it's very good. Why do you think like his character is motivated to like all of a sudden, like really escalate the Candyman legacy? Cause I feel like kind of out of nowhere, all of a sudden he's like, like it's it's already happening. Like the transition mm-hmm. of Anthony's character being taken over by Candyman is already happening. But I feel like towards the end, he's just like you know uh, William Burke's character is just like, no, we're gonna we're gonna push this along. Like we're cutting yeah. your, we're cutting your hand off, motherfucker. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I think that that was that maybe is aligns with what I was speaking to before of that idea of capitalizing on um trauma yeah. like that yeah um and the end of the day you know it's such a unfortunate and desperate situation the entire situation as it stands that yeah. um there there you know it's it's funny that guy is like he he brings him to the church yeah. when he's like setting up like you know the death by cop kind of uh setup and he's like Oh yeah, I was baptized here, but I'm on some different shit now. It's like <laughs> that's true. I didn't even catch that initially, that, but yeah, that that like desperation for like something, um, and something trying to, to believe achieve in. some kind yeah. of goal, um, and and trying to like break the wheel a little bit. It's like 
it will it drives people to either step in and take advantage of that kind of stuff yeah desperation um, in some ways well i i'm talking about take advantage in some ways that are um to meet their own ends sure um in the more cynical way but also i think in that case with with that character it's desperation to just like try to do something yeah different definitely um so that that is definitely one thing that I think on a second viewing I would maybe be able to put that together a little bit better. Sure. Um yeah. because it does kind of come right at the end there. They they like do that reveal of him like basically trying to pull some strings. Yes. Um Yeah, he's trying to like further it as quickly as possible before yeah. Yeah. you know, before the cops show up essentially, but Yeah. But there is definitely like that's one of the themes in this movie as well is like just getting that word out, you know. Right. Tell everyone and and that's going back to George Floyd. I think that's that's very much what you saw there. Is like that was a a tragic death and a murder, but they say his name. You know, like right. There's people people spent many months in the streets saying his name and yeah. saying Breonna Taylor and saying you know there's countless names right and it's the same. Um, yeah. And the, the power of that and of also not letting people forget about things. And exactly. Yeah. It's, it, it is kind of like it's sickening and sad, but very familiar to you to have at the end of this movie, um, Brianna's like, she's the one being attacked, but then the cops still handcuff her. You know, exactly. And yeah. still yeah. throw her in the back of the police car. And so she's essentially saved by Candyman, even though initially she was, you know, possibly going to get murdered or at least witness, you know, all these horrible deaths. And, and you're kind of like torn at the end where you're like, okay, how's this going to play out? You know, <laughs> I mean, I won't lie. It's, you know, it was pretty exciting and fun to watch Candyman just tear through all those, all cops, those cops who just yeah. showed up and arrested her. Exactly. You know, and, and did not. You know, this poor woman has gone through this horrible trauma. Exactly. And they just show up and, like, treat her like shit and yep. throw her in the cop car and give her basically an ultimatum to take their narrative. Otherwise, they're going to... Yeah. They're going to put her away or, right. like, pin it on her. And, like, that is what happens so much of the time. Yes. Like, that's not a... <laughs> It's not a far leap to go. Yeah, there. to see some um, to see somebody in a position of more authority or power, kind of telling someone else, "Okay, this is the narrative. We're gonna make this happen. You're gonna yeah. agree to it." And you're just so, kind of like, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> it's it's pretty cathartic to see yeah. Candyman just show up and rip through all those. It is very satisfying. Cops. That's very it was true. Very satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that they kind of left that open on purpose at the end to potentially be able to do another one of these? Or do you feel like this I was... think they could they could absolutely do another one yeah. of these. And from what I've heard, I think it's actually doing quite well. Like, oh, that's good. Already, I'm glad so. to hear that. That's good. I think it's positioned to be, be open to do well. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I it's a cool movie. I want to see it again. It is a very yeah. cool movie for sure. I, I think my strategy is I'm going to watch the original and then watch this one again. I think that's I a good a call. I think that they're, you know, obviously the original is 92. There's going to be some things to you that might feel dated to a certain extent. But I think sure. even like I watched it at the drive-in 
in Beacon last year. Ooh, and Sounds like a good drive-in movie. It was a lot of fun. And it's yeah. still like, you know, it's campy in parts, but that's part of the fun. It's like, yeah, you know, it's, for sure. it, it's a cool movie. And like you said, it's not your typical slasher, Jason, you know, Friday the 13th type horror film, but it is a horror film. So I, I think you'll like it. I think that'll be a fun perspective to have once you've seen that. Well, it is starting yeah. to get to be that time of year again. It's the most uh, wonderful yeah. time of the Jeremy, year. <laughs> Jeremy and I are, are uh, preparing our horror list yeah. We're ready so that we can have that ready for, for October. There's a, there's a couple more spooky movies happening at Story Screen Beacon Theater right now that uh, I want to yes. check out. There's Demonic. Yes. and John's uh, Hole. John and the Hole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to see both of those. Um, show me that hole. Show me the hole. Who's in the hole? What's in the hole, John? I want to know. So, yeah. I want to. John posted hole. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Demonic looks interesting, too. No, there's some there's some good stuff coming out. And we've got, like, uh, Last Night in Soho or whatever. Yes. I'm I very excited to see Edgar Wright do a thriller. Yeah. Um, that I looks like a lot of fun. fun. That looks really good. I'm trying to think if there's anything, you know, obviously the new Halloween Kills. I will be there yes. for that. Yes. But, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff that was supposed to come out last year I know. That is finally coming out now. I feel like we're going to really have like a huge glut of stuff to choose from in the next two months. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm and excited about it. <laughs> there's, a, there's a fair few movies that came out just straight to VOD in the last year yeah. or so because of the pandemic that I think a lot of people have missed. So I think Jeremy and I are going to try to highlight some of those movies. Cool. Um, Did you catch uh, the em- the Empty Man is is a, a big one. I there. haven't Jeremy seen is, that. Jeremy is a big big proponent of the Empty Man. Uh, I'm trying to think. The one that I did watch that I'm curious if if you guys end up seeing it. Uh, I think it's like we have to do something or something like that. It's um. Mm. When I got Mike that digital pass to try to Tribeca Film Festival, mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. one of the ones on that, and it's like the interesting aspect of it is it's the family is just in the bathroom the whole movie. Oh, interesting! Because I do love a, I do love a good bottle movie. Yeah, so they're trapped yeah. in there, and it's pretty cool in that regard. It's not like the best horror movie I've ever seen, but it is kind of a fun it's premise. Neat. Yeah. That's the fun thing about horror too is like yeah. it doesn't always it's not always a 10 out of 10 movie sure. but often more often than not with horror you have to take you have to work within like constraints cool uh which I think you know brings up those original ideas yeah. you know what I mean I definitely really liked in the earth um so did I yeah. I, I liked in the earth a lot as well yeah that's probably one of the better spooky movies i've seen as of late that is yeah. that is a movie operating under a lot of constraints yeah totally and doing a lot with some some pretty heavy restraints there yeah um, this the yeah. sound in that movie is like oh yeah uh, oh, it's yeah. intense it's so good though oh <laughs> yeah i was very happy to see that one in a theater that's cool very i i wish i had that. caught that in the theater i watched that one at home but the when they're in the woods playing his like harsh noise set, yes. it's like it sounds fucking cool. And this movie, I have to say, sounded really good too. It did. I felt like a lot Very... of the the music or score behind stuff was like really it built and was like yes, just you know the like whether it was foley work or music and it was like mm-hmm. the like the buzzing of bees and things like that. It's just so jarring. It's very cool. 
the sound design hit yeah. for me big time. Very big time. Cool. There was a moment where I leaned over to Jeremy. I was like, ooh, that was a good sound design. <laughs> I can't actually remember ooh, what the exact moment Bella. was, but I was just yeah. like, I was like, ooh, nice. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I I enjoyed seeing this in the theater. I uh, if you're if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it yet, but you still listen to this anyway, maybe, maybe we've convinced it. you now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's cool as well. Um, you know where to find us. Yep, it's true. Story Screen in Beacon, New York. Yes, and you can also go to StoryScreenBeacon.com where you can find all kinds of other podcasts and articles. Diana, do you have any articles that you either you wrote or you want to plug from uh, other people that people can go check out? I just did a really short review on why I found Free Guy pretty fun. It's not like... Interesting. It's like not the best movie ever, but it's fun. Uh-huh. I, you know, remember fun? It's just like a fun movie to see on a hot... Fun's afternoon. never really been my thing. <laughs> so um, I uh, I like to say that that Mr. Ryan Reynolds is is uh, quite delightful in it. So and there's good camaraderie between the main characters. So I, I enjoyed it as someone who went in with like zero expectations. Um, it's better than uh than Pixels. Yeah, yeah. It definitely you know it steals from various movies. Uh-huh. Um, and, but it, I feel like it does it lovingly. You know, so All right. I think it's okay. I think it's an enjoyable matinee. You know, if I was going to push it out there, sure, but, uh, sure. And Rhea, uh, Rhea wrote a really good uh, TV review of the most recent season of Master of None, and kind of just oh. just talked about that versus the like Aziz Ansari controversy in the previous seasons. So There's certainly a conversation to be had yeah, around that. It's a very situation. good article if you get a chance to check that out. Um, that's a good one. And I haven't seen that newest season yet, but it made me want to. So yeah. it's, it's good. I mean, she she talks about things that, you know, maybe if you want to see it spoiler free, go watch the show first. But sure. I was still interested to watch it, even though I had already read through her article. So that's a good one to check out for sure. Nice. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. That's, again, storyscreenbeacon.com. Yeah. And uh, what else? Uh, you can you can leave us a little review if you like this podcast yeah. or any of the podcasts like that it. we do. Like it. Subscribe. Yeah. We, <laughs> you know, we appreciate you taking taking the time to leave leave a little review for us. So if you do that, we'd be mighty, mighty happy. And you can check us out on Instagram at story underscore screen underscore beacon. You're good. And then That's Twitter. That's the one I always forget. Twitter at story underscore screen. There's all kind of mumbo jumbo. Yeah, help me out. I I need more. I need more followers on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, we're out there. You know, (laughs) hanging out, trying to you know chat it up. We like this. That's a whole thing. We like talking about movies. So if you like talking about movies too, hit the digits. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. All right, Diana. Thank you again for joining me today. Any closing thoughts on Candyman? I think we're both pretty positive. Yeah, pretty positive. Go see it. Yeah, and uh, it. if you haven't watched the 92 one, check that one out too. It's a lot I of fun. Think I'll take, I think I'll take your advice on that, yeah. Diana, actually. I think yeah. I will. All right. <laughs> Thank you again for listening. Once again, I'm Jack Kolodzewski. Diana Jamiro. Peace. Bye. Candyman. 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 Uh-oh. Candyman. Does it work if you two people say it? We might we might have just fucked ourselves. I was gonna do a whole thing where like, I did four and then ended it. We're like the but kids. now you threw in a couple and I've lost count. <laughs> we're like think... the kids in the bathroom scene okay, where they're we like, go. you gotta say it together. And I'm, yeah, I'm out of go. here. <laughs> we gotta go. All right, bye. There's some. Wait, Diana, look behind you. Wait. Ooh.